The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Beyond the Box Score. Advanced stats from simple people. Adam Azer, Dan Schneier. And uh, Jacob Gibbs is back. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. is back. What did you think about uh, Jibs last week? Uh, what did you think about the Dan Schneier impression? It was uh, it was underwhelming. It was <laughs> no effort, no film study, just whispering. No, there was effort put in. There's not enough film study and enough time. I was trying to study players for this show, Adam. You did that people more, want to learn about you. There, you put more effort into the hype. Then the impression you were like, yeah, that's how my life goes. I'm my, a big hype man. Yeah, I'm gonna break up me. my I'm Jacob Gibbs impression. Wait, just wait. Maybe you'll get my Jacob. And he's like, yeah, yeah I think it's time for my first Jacob Gibbs impression. It's just, <laughs> like, totally, it was horrible. Yeah. The second one wasn't as bad as the first. I will say that. I went back and watched the tape of my own impressions. I should have okay. watched the tape of Jacob's impressions. I went back and tape of my own impressions. Second one wasn't as bad as the first. I did a couple of the. I got stats you find interesting. Or <laughs> curious what you guys. I did a curious what you guys think. The curious what you guys think is. That was Hundred percent without any. That's because I told you to that. say that. I was like, he always, <laughs> I always, he always asked that, and then. Yeah, you know, I kind of Congratulations, like Dan. I kind of feel like you did give me that one, to be honest. Way to go! Way to go! Uh, never anyway. been an impressionist. Way to uh, yeah, welcome it, back, Jacob. Yeah, good to be back. It was it was too much expectations. Like I got tweets about it, and I was like excited. I hadn't seen the show yet. Then I got in there, I was like, he's just talking quiet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't even an impression. Like. <laughs> 
hundred percent. It was. It was. It was like ten seconds of Dan talking quiet, and like <laughs> that was it. He gave up on it immediately. Yeah, yeah I, 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 it was the long, the longest stretch of Dan talking quiet in in his life. Actually, his life. But, yeah, that's true. All right, we may have a Dan Schneier impression on the show today. We, we may. Not. Okay. You got excited for the game tonight, guys? Actually, yeah. Oh, finally. yeah. Finally, a really good standalone game that I'm excited for. Now, I, I don't know Jacob that well. I've only known him mm-hmm. for a few years, but I don't think he's ever once thought the the Chiefs were going to lose. So what do you think <laughs> is going to happen tonight? But that's yes. fair. Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. I don't think I'd ever once think that I'm gonna that I, the Chiefs are going to lose either if I was it's, a Chiefs fan. It's been nice. It's If you would have known me before the Patrick Mahomes era, it would have been much more depressing Chiefs fan experience. But yeah, I think <laughs> we're going to win again. I feel pretty good about this. Um, I'm excited to see what... They've got coming out of the bye. I hope we see a lot more Rishi Rice. I think this is a really good matchup for him. So definitely excited for this one. I have a nice, nice feeling as well about the Chiefs tonight, and I've backed nice. it with my pocketbook. Oh, okay. Um, pocketbook. <laughs> right. It's just a pocketbook like I've ever owned a pocketbook. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> Anyone in 2023 owns pocketbook. <laughs> your clutch. But, yeah, the clutch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that mostly from my film study, I've seen that, and this was the really interesting thing. Steve Spagnolo, defensive coordinator, who I love near and dear to my heart as the Giants defensive coordinator for the Super Bowls has done things differently on film this year than I've really ever seen in his career as DC. He's mixed up the coverages in the back end in a way that's really exciting. I think for the chiefs, their defense is the best I've ever seen it with Spags running it. And I think that's going to be the deciding factor tonight. Spags is going to do things to confuse Jalen hurts and to slow down the Eagles offense. And that will be the X factor be my guess. All right, let's go from what's hopefully going to be the most exciting game to one of the most boring teams <laughs> in the Denver Broncos. They're just so boring. They do nothing yeah. fun. They like good for them. They're 5 and 5. They keep winning. You want a stat to back this up real quick? Yeah, yeah, please. Russell Wilson is number 2 in the NFL behind only Daniel Jones in percentage of throws short of the sticks. And the sticks mean the first down marker. Yeah, and see what's his A dot? How does he rank in that? Is he got to be low based on that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, they're just boring. They are what they are. They want to run the ball, play defense, and throw touchdowns sure. to Cortland Sutton. And for the most part, they do that. But Jacob, what was your what were your takeaways from uh, you know pretty exciting game? I guess twenty one twenty Denver. What were your fantasy takeaways? So we saw the Broncos play from behind, which we haven't seen very much over the past month. And Javante Williams' role shrunk a little bit. Forty six percent snap rate. 11% route participation. Javante Williams only ran four routes on Sunday Night Football. Um, both Julio McLaughlin and Samaj P. Ren got more involved as pass catchers. So just, uh, I guess, pump the brakes a little bit on Javante. We've been getting really excited about him, but this is within his range of outcomes at any time. We don't think the Broncos are necessarily that good of a team, even though they've been getting some wins. And so at any point, they can fall behind and really kind of game script him out of fantasy relevancy. Um, nothing else really stood out from this game. Yeah, I think. Yeah, what do you think, Dan? Well, I was just gonna say my main point that I had written down in my film notes was just that Javante angle because we had hype. I had hyped Javante, and it was looking like it was working the last two weeks. Really saw such a good involvement, but now we know he can be game scripted into spots that aren't necessarily good for his fantasy value and good for his fantasy production. And it's not necessarily just the games where they go behind early. Uh, big early, right? Like this game you would think would be okay game script. They went behind early, but it wasn't to like multiple possessions where mm-hmm. they're really playing catch up. So it's interesting. It might be a sign of things to change. I don't know. It's hard to say. My other takeaway was on the other side of the ball. I just, you know, I watched this passing game, Adam and Jacob, and the timing of it, the rhythm of it, it doesn't look to me 
Like when Justin Jefferson comes back, he's going to be the same fantasy asset he has been and will mm-hmm. be. And I think that to some people might sound obvious because you lose Kirk Cousins and you go down to Josh Dobbs. But I think it, we could be looking at a massive, massive difference in what the expectation is for Jefferson in his first game back from injury and then throughout the rest of the season versus what you're going to get on a consistent basis as a fantasy manager rest of the season. Well, you know, so just for Javante real quick, I mean, they only had the ball for about 25 minutes. They didn't run a lot of plays. So it's just it was not just a bad game script, but also just you know the, the fact that they just didn't possess the ball enough that was right. bad. Javante's still clearly at worst a number two running back, you know, going to be in the starting discussion every week. Um, now for the for Jefferson, like I like him a lot better than I like Chase. I, I yeah, I feel confident in saying that. I'm more confident in Jefferson. <sighs> okay, not rest of season, and for two reasons. One, I don't know if he's playing next week, and then they have a bye, so Chase mm-hmm. has him at least just in availability. But fantasy playoffs-wise, or just like on a per-game basis, if they're both 100% healthy because Chase is dealing with his own injury, I have more confidence in the passing game for the Vikings than I do for the Bengals. Um, And I'm impressed with Dobbs. And I don't want to judge them too harshly because the Broncos have been really, really, really good against the pass in the last five or six games. And we're talking Dobbs, who was like God's gift to fantasy football, scoring less than 20 fantasy points. Josh Allen having a bad game. Patrick Mahomes with two subpar games. It's not like they're just beating up on nobodies here. They're obviously a tough matchup now. Um, so, yeah, like I, I don't have the same expectations for Jefferson, but my expectations are definitely higher than they were immediately after the Cousins injury. Addison, on the uh, other hand, I think is, you know, about to go be like Jacoby Myers. It's possible he's just droppable, but we don't drop him yet. See how it plays out. And again, don't know that Jefferson's playing next week, but I have very low expectations for Addison once Jefferson's back. I, I think that's fair. And in terms of the running backs, uh, Alexander Madison was still the passing downs guy. He was the third down back. He ran 19 routes compared to seven for Chandler, but Chandler had four catches. Uh, and Madison had two targets and only one catch for negative two yards. Chandler, you see 10 for 73 in the box score. He had a 31-yard run on a fake punt. He had nine carries. Other than that, Alexander Madison had 18, and uh, the Broncos just can't tackle. They're just a really good matchup for running backs. There was a stat that they showed during the game. They have a really, really high missed tackle rate, and it was terrible last night, and that's pretty much it. I think, yeah, I think you're right. There's not a ton of fantasy takeaways from this game, so, you know, unless you want to talk about Sutton, but I think... You're just praying for that touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Touchdown or bust. Yeah. Um, all right. So Sportsline, you want some great information? You can get the Beyond the Box Score article on Sportsline. Also get content from Dave, from Jamie, from Heath, and of course from Jacob. And you can use a couple of promo codes. You can use the code Gibbs for, right? Yeah, Gibbs, not mm-hmm. Jacob. It's Gibbs for Gibbs. $1 for your first month on Sportsline. Then it's only nine ninety nine after that. Or if you want the annual subscription, 60% off an annual plan. What a perfect time to get this because it's also gambling advice. It's not fantasy exclusive. It's also gambling. We have got college football, NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball. This is the most amazing sports time of year and amazing advice for you at Sportsline. Use the promo code FOLLOW to get 60% off. You can go to sportsline.com slash join and the code is FOLLOW for 60% off an annual plan. Wow, what a deal. Uh, it, it really is amazing. All right, Stafford, he looks okay. Geno Smith going to be questionable for Thursday's game against the Niners. Cleveland signed Joe Flacco. And if you look at what Flacco did with the Jets last year, he started four games. 
you will see a lot of passing yards. Those first three games, he was 309, 307, 285, but he threw the ball about 50 times a game. In fact, maybe even more than that. Uh, with the Jets, he averaged 5.5 yards per attempt. How does that measure up? Well, Zach Wilson's averaging 5.4 yards per attempt. Do you guys think Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback for the Browns? It won't be this upcoming week. They've already said it'll be Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But do you think Flacco will eventually be the starting quarterback for this team? I do. Yes, I think he will be. Um, I think what it comes down to here is the Browns are looking for someone to find some semblance of a rhythm and timing in the pass game. P.J. Walker couldn't find timing in the pass game. Deshaun Watson could toward the end. He helped lead that drive to win the game against the Ravens with a timing and rhythm-based passing offense and game plan for that last final drive. It was not a lot of throws downfield. It was doing things that require anticipation from the quarterback, throwing with anticipation, getting the ball out on time and in rhythm. I don't think Dorian thompson Robinson can do that, at least not at this point in his career. Can Joe Flacco do that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sold on that either, but I know that he has at different points in his career. Um including even at times last year with the Jets. So I think he will eventually be starting for this offense. And I think when he does, it'll be a really good sign for Amari Cooper because they're going to really change the entire offense from a schematic standpoint. They'll go heavy personnel. They'll go under center more often. They'll be doing play action, seven five-step drops, designed shot plays for players like Cooper and like Eli Moore, who will benefit from a quarterback who can go five, seven drop step, steps, drops, hit his back foot, and actually rip a football in there with velocity, something that these other quarterbacks also can't do that are currently on the roster. It's not really a big needle mover for me. <laughs> I think it no, it's still not a needle mover. Yeah, Just, well, I mean, the NFL a, arm is they, now on the roster. Right, they have a lot of injuries on their offensive line, and Joe Flacco yeah. can't move. So I think <laughs> I think it's a bad combo. And Maybe. I like I, I may help Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper could have been an absolute league winner, a real steal if Deshaun Watson had stayed healthy. Yep. He's been so good with Watson. I don't see us going back to those days with with Amari Cooper, that that kind of production. I think you're going to be no, sure. kind of just c crossing your fingers that he does well. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the Falcons have named Desmond Ritter their starter. The oh, wow. Patriots have not decided on a starting quarterback yet. They are at the Giants. The Falcons get the Saints in Week 12. Tim Boyle replaced Zach Wilson, but we haven't heard anything from Sala yet about who is going to be the quarterback this week against Miami, where I think it would be a shock if Ken Walker plays on Thursday. That's just me, but it's it's a legit injury, and apparently that's what Pete Carroll says when a guy is likely to miss time and they're playing Thursday, so wouldn't expect Walker. Uh, Devon Achan does not need knee surgery. That's good. I don't, mm. don't really have much more information. I just saw that came across that he doesn't need surgery. We'll see if he plays on Friday against the Jets. Waiting to hear about Aaron Jones. Waiting to hear about Deontay Foreman. Um, Najee Harris, I mentioned this on yesterday's show. He's fed up with the offense. Um, Cooper Cup, not a high ankle sprain. I think it's just a regular ankle sprain for Cooper did Cup. You guys, so. Did you guys get a chance to watch any of Kenny Pickett yesterday? I saw the clip you posted. Oh, oh, breaking news. Devin Achan? Devon Achan? <laughs> It's unbelievable. This guy can't get it right. I did that no. one on purpose, obviously. Tim Boyle will start at quarterback for the Jets. Oh, whoa. They finally did it. They finally benched Zach Wilson. When it I is. Was, when I was watching that game, I just felt like a mutiny was about to happen. You know, yeah. So it just, <laughs> yeah. It just I, I felt bad. And I also understand that when it comes to Kenny Pickett, who we briefly talked about before this, I mean, Kenny Pickett should not be starting in the NFL right now. Maybe the option on the bench isn't better with Mitch Trubisky, but 
it isn't crazy how bad Kenny Pickett looks on tape. It is crazy how bad Kenny Pickett's arm talent looks. It's just unbelievable to me. Like, I'm not sold that Tommy DeVito is a worse quarterback than Kenny Pickett. Even though I know he is deep down in my heart, I am not sold that Tommy DeVito is – that Kenny Pickett offers that much more to an NFL offense than Tommy DeVito does because neither has NFL arm talent. That's that great. Uh, well, I mean, that's just you supporting your Jersey guy. That's, I don't think so. Nah, Did you nah, watch? No, nah, I'm just kidding. I, like I said, I watched the clip you sent of every throw he made past the line of scrimmage. It was bad. But again, well, let's, he's, I know he's not good, but let's not pick on him against arguably the best defense in football. You know, like, Sure, but he Browns, threw 10 touchdown passes last year. Tommy DeVito has more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett this year, and he's only played three games. <laughs> just think about that stat. Just he has more career games and multiple touchdown passes, right? And he has more career games and multiple touchdown passes, Tommy DeVito, than Kenny Pickett. That's wild. It's wild. Big it's defensive how bad quarterback players around the NFL right now. It's just wild. Big defensive injury. Telenoa Hufanga for the Niners. They're st- uh, very good. Star safety <laughs> towards ACL. He's out for the year. And Cleveland safety Rodney McLeod is out for the season as well. So those are big ones. Mm. And uh, the Bills got very banged up. Teron Johnson's in the concussion protocol. Dane Jackson also had a head injury. I assume he's in the concussion protocol. And Taylor Rapp is the one who was carted off yesterday. Tests were negative. Hopefully he's back pretty soon. But that's three defensive three defensive backs who got hurt. And they're facing the Eagles on the road in Week 12. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got advanced stats, snap counts, those types of things. Some film review on Justin Fields. Our big topics today, Ravens passing game, Tony Pollard expectations, how confident are we in Josh Jacobs and Garrett Wilson and Debo Samuel, and which handcuffs should you be rostering? Hope you are rostering Zach Charbonnet. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
And we're back. All right, advanced stats, snap counts, Jacob Gibbs. Let's go. And if you'd like to do this as Dan Schneier, I'd have no problem with that. <laughs> I'd love to see it. <clears throat> All right, so I wanted to start with the Detroit running backs. Um, I, did you get a chance to watch these guys, Dan? Hey, hold on. Is this Dan Schneier impression or no? <laughs> no, no, I no. I thought it was. I thought it was. I mean, no, when it kicks in, because that was, that was pretty close. That yeah, was pretty close. He had like a much deeper voice, like a little faster. I thought he was going yeah. Schneier on us and, there. And, and the, did I, you get a chance to watch these? Or yeah. That might be a Gibbs thing, actually. I don't know if that's a <laughs> yeah. Gibbs. I've heard it. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm a bit sick right now, so my voice is all over the place. Um, you can keep this impression for later if you don't feel confident in it. Oh, I'm ready to do the impression whenever. Uh, right, use I, it later. Okay. Um, so I've got like splits on the backfield for Detroit and yeah. just wanted to bring up, they basically went rotation where it was, you know, one drive for Montgomery, one for Gibbs, but we did see at the end of the game when they needed the goal line touchdown, they did uh sub Gibbs out after the timeout and put Montgomery in. And I think it makes sense that we're going to see, see Montgomery get that short yardage, uh, roll back. Um, but yeah, on, in this game, at least, and last week, we saw a lot more inside the 10 and red zone snaps for Jameer Gibbs, 70% of the inside the 10 snaps went to Gibbs, 30% to Montgomery, uh, three inside the 10 rushes for Gibbs two for Montgomery. Did you watch these guys? I didn't get a chance to watch these guys. I went through Charbonnet tape, Justin Fields tape, and mm -hmm. a little bit of, uh, I'm sorry. And also Tony Pollard tape, but I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch these guys. Yeah. Neither Do did I, but I'll, I'll add that. Gibbs now two games in a row where he has had a one or a two yard touchdown. I think yeah, two yard touchdown mm -hmm. in this game. He also caught uh, six catches, six catches for fifty nine yards. They only ran fifty nine plays, so there were only two snaps. I think inside the five, and they each got one. Um, but as I mentioned last week, Gibbs was supposed to come off the field for one of his touchdowns, and Montgomery let him stay in. So I definitely feel like Montgomery will have the edge there, but I don't think it's going to be a hundred percent basically like it was before. Hmm. I think so. So like both top 12 guys is kind of how I'm viewing them. Is that about where you're at? I, I mean, certainly Gibbs because they're throwing the ball to him. Montgomery is touchdown dependent, but he scores in every game in yeah. literally every game. And we already saw it with Jamal Williams last year. So it's, if you don't like buying this, I know people don't like to buy into touchdowns, but if there's one guy that I think I'd buy into touchdowns, that's not Christian McCaffrey. I think it's Montgomery. Mm -hmm. I think people don't like to buy into touchdowns year over year, Adam, but within a year, I think it's fair to buy into touchdowns because by that point, you know which offenses are one, creating yards before contact on the ground, two, getting in the red zone often, and three, being successful in running the football in the red zone. And the Detroit Lions are definitely one of those teams. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Brian Robinson. So without Antonio Gibson, we saw him really see his role expanded. Um, he saw Brian Robinson saw six targets last week. That was his first career game with more than four targets. He followed it up with nine in week 11. He has 180 yards after the catch over the past two games. Um, his snap rate was way up. The other thing that stood out to me was he had 10 avoided tackles. That was the highest of any player in week 11. Uh, Robinson has 18 avoided tackles over his past two games. Mm. Only had 22 avoided tackles in the eight games prior. So he is playing much better. And I think that the receiving stuff is just kind of random. Um, the, the long plays especially, but it is cool to like see him, you know, get targets and, and be trusted with the route running responsibilities. So more of kind of a long-term note, um, than anything there. Did you guys have anything on Robinson? No, I, I thought, you know, last week when he, when he did this against the Seahawks and he had the five or six catches, um, yeah, six for 119 and a touchdown. I noted that the Seahawks give up a lot of 
production mm. of running backs in the passing game. The Giants, on the other hand, are the exact opposite. They've been great for a year and a half now of limiting running backs in the passing game, and he had seven catches for 58 yards. So I thought that was very encouraging. In that respect, it was a tough matchup, and he came through. However, I also said this to Jamie and Dave and Heath yesterday. Going into this week, he had only had three top 12 finishes uh, all season, and... If Gibson is back, I don't think he's a must-start running back. I'd start Montgomery and Gibbs over him most weeks. All yeah. weeks, I would say, for those two. Me too. Um, yeah. And I Gibbs for sure, yeah. Montgomery, yeah. I do think he is one of those players that's much better on tape than people than the fans realize, though, with Brian Robinson. He was one of the players we went over and beyond the box for like week three or week four, and I was like, damn, I was that impressed with his tape. It's just a matter of what Adam says is probably, in my opinion, the big takeaway here from a fantasy football standpoint, which is, you know, with Gibson back in the mix, do we trust him? Do we trust him in the games that aren't as, you know, favorable from a game script standpoint? Trust him within the game yesterday. All right. He just did the alien thing that yeah, I was doing. A few that weeks. was weird, Dan. What alien? We just what? randomly get portals on this podcast. You went to another take, planet. I, don't know, I don't know what the sound is. What? Yeah. You Wait, were talking. What? You were like, "Yeah, he's really good on tape." <laughs> <laughs> basically, <What? laughs> no idea why. But yeah, seventy-eight percent snap rate. He'd never been above sixty percent in a game prior to this week. Wow. And okay. I, I just think he's he's looked way better this year than he did last year, and that might have had something to do with getting shot in the leg before the season started right. um, or just being year two, whatever, but pretty encouraging year for Robinson. Next guy, Jamison Williams, just quick note, season high, 66% route participation for Jamison Williams, back-to-back season highs the past two weeks. So he's trending in the right direction. I don't know if it's going to matter for this year, but at least it's something. Um, obviously caught the touchdown as well. Tank Dell. Tank Dell is averaging 2.4 yards per route run, which is so absurd. So, like, rookie rates that are comparable, we got Chris Olave at 2.4 last year, Jamar Chase at 2.5. Um, it's it's really nuts. He's 10th at wide receiver in yards per run on the year. we got Tyreek, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk is averaging 3.4 yards per run. And so, like, the list of players who have averaged over three yards per run in a season over the last 10 years is, like, it's like Julio Jones three times, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill, and that's it. I'm pretty sure. Damn. Ayuk's at uh, Ayuk is at three point four. Ayuk, I like that. That's a really good <laughs> name. For Can me. I uh, take a moment to do something that Jacob's never done on this podcast because he's a much better man than me, and Adam, I don't think, has ever done either. But it is me taking a moment to pat myself on the back because Adam asked me to come up with five league winners rest of season last podcast that you weren't on, Jacob, and the first person I picked was Tank Dell, was it not, Adam? Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it was. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. It was very obvious thing to give. I didn't even bother because it, it was, was not a very obvious. obvious thing to give. We're talking about a player who, before the season, was barely drafted on rosters. Very obvious thing to give. Hey, you want to hear obvious? Obvious. I think I gave. One of the- I think I gave Brock Purdy. Did it's, you give Brock Purdy? No, I, I still have my list. I'll go check. <laughs> I mean, what does it say about me for that? I needed to have self you know to, to bring that up and pat my own self on the back though that's the real question we should be asking ourselves let's get back to the it analysis says that, it says that your co-host oh uh, no i said kyler murray it says that your co-host doesn't doesn't give you enough credit i said a chan <laughs> Pittman, trey mcbride dalton kincaid and kyler murray so all right it's pretty we'll good we'll see we'll see it wasn't great last week but yeah so 10th at uh yard per run for tank dell he's ahead of jamar chase ahead of jalen waddle ahead of a prime Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen, a quarterback. Wow. Like it's honestly insane. Uh, Calvin Ridley, 30% target per route run rate this week, 110 air yards um, with Zay, with Zay Jones in the lineup. He has had a, over hundred yards every game. 
I think that there might be some signal to that. I don't know if that's totally random. I think Zay runs a lot more of those kind of big boy routes on the outside that Ridley's got stuck on, and they were able to move Ridley around a little bit more um, with Jones back in the mix. And so obviously exciting stuff from him this week. Another thing I would point out on Ridley. I would, say, do, one thing, I would say one thing on that, on that Jacob, before you move sure. past it. There is something to it. It's not just, you know, what you're, it, there is actually a science between behind it. And I didn't get a chance to watch the tape this week. I'm, what are you laughing at? Science. <laughs> Sorry. It's not science, but there is uh whatever you said. <laughs> Signal? Put on my Bill Nye hat. And then there's, there's, um, you know, with with Ridley back with I'm sorry, with Zay Jones back on the field, Ridley was running different routes. And that's the mm -hmm. big factor here. If they expanded his route tree and they asked him to do different things because Zay Jones can run some of the routes that Calvin Ridley was running before when Zay wasn't on the field that were mostly designed as clear outs or designed to take attention away from the defense to open up something else. So Calvin Ridley in three games was a Jones this season has eight catches for 101 yards and a TD seven catches for 122 and then seven catches for 102 and two TDs. And then in the seven games without Zay Jones on the field, Ridley has under 15 fantasy points, one total touchdown and just one game over 40 receiving yards. So I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it has a lot more to do with the different kinds of routes um, that are run when, they have a Zay Jones on the field to kind of take away that defensive attention. Just, just one thing though, he Zay Jones did play week two. There were four games where Zay Jones played. Uh, and, okay, I might have missed one. Yeah, Calvin really had no catches on six targets against the Chiefs. So sure. yeah, I I think maybe. Oh no, Zay Jones had no catches on six targets. Calvin Ridley also had a bad game though. He had two mm. catches for thirty-two yards on eight targets against the Chiefs. Uh, I think Ridley's been really a matchup guy. Yep, that's and, what I wanted to. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up is he I, I highlighted this in last week's beyond the box score. I really like this spot for him. The Titans allow a ton of targets to the wide receiver position and really has had a really rough stretch um, where he's only faced three teams all year that are in the top half of target rate to the out wide position wide receiver. Every other team has been in the bottom half or even like in the bottom like eight. Um, and so that's. I think that's really, really influenced things. You obviously you would like for him to not be matchup dependent, yeah. um, but he's he's had a, one of the toughest matchups you could have for somebody who's a like truly like strictly out wide wide receiver. Mm. Um, he did play in the slot a little bit more this week. I think it was double, like up from twelve percent to twenty four percent. They ran a couple screens to him. That was the first time they've done that since week one. Yeah. All right. Good. You know they were really embarrassed by the Niners. You saw the the quotes after the game. That it was a very humbling game for them. And uh, they changed things up a little bit, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come after I drop Trevor Lawrence in a league. So, uh, <laughs> Anything else? The Giants, first in situation neutral pass rate. That was crazy. <laughs> Can we get some time? Yeah, no, we're like, I don't know. We just expected to run everything to run through Saquon, but Tommy DeVito. Can we get some Tommy DeVito talk? No, we can get Washington <laughs> Commanders talk. Washington Commanders have the worst yeah. pass defense in the NFL. I don't know if it's close. They are an absolute layup. They're a slam dunk layup. Who? What? Let me see their schedule. It just—they're so bad against the pass that anything. I said this yesterday. Anything that a quarterback does against the Washington Commanders should just shouldn't count. Dallas this week. Oh, uh, don't worry. They don't have any good quarterbacks coming up. They have Dallas, Miami, and the Chargers. Oh no, the Rams. Sorry, Dallas, Miami, Rams, Jets, Niners. Brock Purdy, if you make it to the championship with Brock Purdy, congratulations. You don't even have to play Week 17. Just accept your prize money because he's going to score 40 points on the Commanders in Week 17. All right, that's my uh, that's my spiel there. <laughs> well, I, I'll give a little bit on it. I do think there it was interesting to watch, and I do agree a lot of it was what you just said, Adam, the matchup against the Commanders. 
really good scheme from uh, Mike Kafka and Brian Dable. Great play calls to get wide receivers wide open. Daniel Bellinger in the red zone, for example. But, you know, part of it is a quarterback's willingness to throw beyond the sticks, to try tight window throws, and make throws down the field. And Tommy DeVito did that in this game. More often than we've seen most Giants quarterbacks do it over the last two seasons. Giants were dead last in explosive pass plays last season. Daniel Jones led the NFL in throws short of the sticks this year from a percentage standpoint. It looked a little different, the offense. It certainly did. That doesn't mean it was going to continue. I think Bill Belichick, for example, is going to give Tommy DeVito a really hard time next week coming off the bye week, and things are going to look pretty ugly. But it's interesting to see that the offense still has the capability of making plays down the field in the pass game. It's funny. I saw Dan tweeted something. I felt the same exact way that, was it Dan Orlovsky that kind of went on the Pat McAfee show and said that uh, Bill Belichick's already got like his next team lined up? Was it Orlovsky who said that? Yes, yes, yes. And he's always been very fond of the Giants. He speaks. Yes. He's, he used to be their defensive coordinator. He won a Super Bowl there. Or two? Two. He won two there. And uh, Dan, I don't even think I want him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I said in the tweet. Have. I'm like, I didn't think there would ever become a point in my life where the rumors started. Because I've heard these Belichick to Giants rumors before. Like the past two or three coaching searches, I've heard them. Right. And this will probably be the first time in my life that I've ever been like, because those times I was like, yes, 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 let's get him. We got the greatest coach of all time. Everything's going to change. Now I'm like, eh, yeah. probably have to give trade compensation, first of all, to the Patriots, which I don't want to do. I don't like trading draft picks for coaches. That to me is an absurd thing that I don't think the Broncos should have done, first of all. But second of all, like, eh, do they want a 70 year old Belichick coming right, in exactly. to rerun the Giants and like <laughs> get them through a new quarterback? Like, I don't know. Uh, all right, Jacob, uh, you want to wrap it up? Uh, I, that's all I've got. Do okay. you guys watch Bob Burgers? I keep getting people telling me to like quote Bob Bob's uh, Burgers. That I, <laughs> I sound like some character off Bob's you Burgers. You sound like Tina. I, I see that, Tina? that line. Oh, do you? Uh, you? Tina has the funniest voice. Tina's <laughs> definitely the funniest character. Uh, Would you believe it, Adam? I don't know Bob Burgers. Bob oh, Burgers. you'd love Bob's Burgers. It's great. What? Great vo like great voice. Can work. I tell you that I'm not? Is it the same guy who does Family Guy? Because I don't no. like the Family Guy humor. No, it's not. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, all right. I got a few notes here. James Conner once again did not play a third down snap. So that stinks. Rondell Moore. I, I don't know what happened. Why it was Greg Dorch over Rondell Moore. Did he? Well, Me I was either. Thinking, I was thinking, did he play out wide more and Greg Dorch took the slot role? No, he had basically the same rates. Rondell Moore of, of uh, slot and and out wide. One thing that was different, he had an 8.6 average, 8.6 yard average route depth. Which is mm -hmm. you, which is more than double what Rondell Moore usually runs. So, which is why he only had one target. <laughs> right, a deep ball touchdown. Right, he out never of the gets gate. targets when he runs downfield routes. So that you know, maybe Michael Wilson comes back and he and Greg Dorch doesn't play and Rondell Moore runs his four yard routes and he gets eight targets and six catches and gives you a PPR floor. But I, I didn't quite figure out what happened there. Just saw the route depth. Uh, Deontay Foreman had four carries in the first quarter. Khalil Herbert had one. At halftime, it was five to four Foreman, and and then he left early in the third quarter. But he had also, I think, left earlier in the game and came back, and he came into the game with, I think, an ankle injury. So, I think what I'm trying to say is, I feel like Foreman was ahead of Khalil Herbert uh, in the first half. Puka Nakua ended up that way. Yeah, Puka Nakua ended up with five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown, but it really was a struggle. And in the fourth quarter, he had. Six of those seven targets, and he had 54 yards. This is all without Cooper Cup. But I don't know how you guys feel, but I said this yesterday. I just, I said this to Chris, I think, on FFT and Five. 
I don't have any confidence in the Rams offense right now. I think they look like crap. I think their line is bad. I don't think yep. Stafford's got it. Like I was confident in them at the beginning of the year, but I don't feel that way. If Cup is out, I guess I feel confident in um in Nakua. But if Cup is back, I don't feel confident that Matthew Stafford is going to support both of them. I don't think we're going to have two must-start wide receivers. And I also don't know that Cup is going to be the better one. Yeah, I, I share those concerns as well. Uh, what are you laughing at, Jacob? I just saw Dan looks like a young George Costanza. I don't want to keep derailing the podcast with the chat. What? Uh, <laughs> but make- I saw I saw an ad, a so I think up. a Mc, McDonald's ad of Jason so Alexander when he was up. super young. And I kind of see it, Dan. I'm sorry. Oh, it was- come on. <laughs> this is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. The last three impressions the chat, the, the people that people have said the chat I've looked like have been George Costanza, who's a said no way to take that as anything but oh my gosh, an you do no, you do you did. He first of all, he was a good looking guy. Talking about he was a good looking guy in his youth. Short and stumpy. And no point in my life have I ever been considered short and stumpy. And I do consider myself somewhat short at five foot eight. <laughs> but I've never been stumpy at any point in my life. Okay, I will not he, be compared to not- a stumpy human being. He's not always short. Sure that. So every Jew looks alike. Is that what we're getting? Oh, at? Yeah. no. I'm kidding, Jacob. I'm kidding. <laughs> but is it the last three guys I've got have been all the Seth Rogen. You look like Seth Rogen. Oh, yesterday was Seth Rogen. Oh, guess what? You look like what's the other guy? The, the fat guy from that group. I forget the name. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Oh, you look like Jonah Hill. Now it's George Costanza. Look at this picture. Do you think you look like this guy? I think you look like him. I don't look that much like this guy. He's a nice I don't looking look that guy. Much like this guy. No, a, I don't. He is a nice looking guy. This is a compliment. You're, you're going crazy here. This is a compliment. <laughs> you should say thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you you kind of sound like George, honestly, yeah. right now. <laughs> well, I know I, act, I can. I can at times act and sound like George. There's no denying that. I have a lot of Larry David in me, but I don't want to look like. That. I don't care about if I act and sound. All right, like all right, Dan. Like you look like an old Larry David. Okay. It's actually somehow more of a compliment than George Costanza. Not a young young Jason Alexander. He's a a good-looking guy. All right, uh, what else do I got here? Oh, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is averaging 9.7 yards per attempt, I believe. And I, read, I was going to make a point before all that, that and then got derailed. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're, about we're not that. interested. Uh, 9.7 <laughs> yards per attempt. He is... Um, he is cute. I have all these notes on Brock Purdy. He's QB eight per game and QB eight overall. And he had that three game stretch where Trent Williams was hurt for two of them. And Debo Samuel was hurt for basically all three. But other than that, he's just been lights out. But can he keep this up? He is 25th in pass attempts. He is first in completion percentage. He's completing 70% of his passes. First in touchdown rate. First in yards per attempt. 1.2 more yards per attempt than number two, Tua Tungavailoa. First in yards per completion. First in passer rating. First in uh, QBR. And first in yak per completion. 14th in air yards per pass attempt. But the the yards per attempt, 9.7, according to ESPN. Second most yards per attempt through 10 games in NFL history. Wow. So, wow. Uh, you know, wow. I'm loving what we're seeing from Ayuk. I love what we're seeing from Purdy. I love what we're seeing from Kittle. Not so much Debo. Mm. Can they keep this up? They're, they're performing at such a high rate. And I know the Niners always do. They're always basically the most efficient team among the leaders in yards per attempt. But, Jacob, this is crazy. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, it's hard to ever like quantify the Niners and what's realistic or what is a like, clear regression candidate just because their offense produces so well. Um, but yeah, given that historical context, I think we probably have to expect things to come down. 
But also, if you just throw to Brandon Ayuk every play, like, yeah, you're going to be the best quarterback, I think. And, so and he has become... Brandon Ayuk is so freaking good at football. And Purdy has become one of the better deep, intermediate to deep ball throwers in football. Yes. Looking at the numbers again today, I mentioned it yesterday, this was a weakness for him. On pass attempts of 15 or more air yards, he is completing 67.7% of his passes this year compared to 43% last year. Um, he has... The highest completion percentage on passes of 15 or more air yards, 20 or more air yards, 25 or more air yards, second best in pass attempts of 30 or more air yards. I, and when I watch the Niners, like I know they are going to regress. Like, they can't be this good on 26 pass attempts. It feels like it's Brock Purdy's team now. I don't know if you guys hmm. feel that way. But yeah, I think I think it, it's fair to say it's Brock Purdy's team in pass first offense. But I will also say that I remain distracted by looking over and watching Jacob Gibbs just giggling, and then <laughs> looking at the chat. And I know that those are chats about me. Thankfully, we see an Adam one here. But you know what? Dan's getting angry. Dan's getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the winter of Dan. It's the fall of Dan. The summer of joy. All of Dan. All right, all right. You want to give us uh, some Justin Fields film review, Dan Schneier? Yeah, sure. So watch Justin Fields for beyond the box score. Obviously, that's where we are now. Wanted to see what the game was like. And I'll say this about watching Justin Fields. I wasn't as impressed as I thought I might be watching him. So I'll start with the first two drives where it really was very game. It was a very specific game plan the Bears brought out on the first two drives they had. And I, and I wrote these down two boot action plays. So this is something the Giants ran a lot in 2022 to find a way to create offense with Daniel Jones at quarterback. And essentially just a play action where you boot your quarterback out and try to hit a tight end who's blocking and then leaking. It works for a little while until defenses adjust. There were also four design runs on the first nine plays in this game for Justin Fields, four design quarterback runs. This is a great thing for fantasy. I don't know how long it could last. Um, there was a good sign. So a lot of what I just saw in this game was just Quick game, passing game, boot action, not a lot of, you know, deeper progressions, not a lot of high-low reads with things downfield. There was a good example of some processing improvement from Justin Fields. For those of you who do watch on the All-22 game uh, coaches film, if you bought NFL Game Pass or you have it anyway, 12.58 quarter one, take a look at that play. Uh, Fields comes off the play side read fast when it's not there, and it is just quick game. So it's nothing too complicated, but it's still good to see him come off the play side read so fast because it wasn't there. And that was the solution he thought he'd find pre-snap. And that's what you want to see from these quarterbacks. When they have a solution in their head pre-snap, will that be open post-snap? And when they look and it's not open post-snap, you want to see them come off of that fast. You don't want to see them drive their eyes into that and sit on it for a while, which is something I think it feels a struggle with at times in his career. He came back through the progression, found Komet for an 11-yard gain. That was a good sign for sure. Um, but it did feel like whenever they were put behind the sticks in the offense, second and 12, you know, second and 15, there was just no solution. There just hasn't been a solution. He had a really nice throw on uh, in the second quarter, 752, rolling to his opposite throwing shoulder left, flipped his hips, ripped one into Mooney on a crosser. 1154 quarter three, though, he missed a wide open DJ Moore in his progression. Adam, this is the one you uh, texted us about before the podcast. <laughs> Scrambled back and he found him at the end. What, what are you laughing uh, at? No, because he, I, I was looking at this. I, I watched the film too. And it, I mean, he's got DJ Moore wide open for a huge play. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't throw the ball. He ended up scrambling and finding him for a much shorter play. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I saw him miss a few open receivers. But it's funny to do film review on him because ultimately I'm really not sure how much it matters. He ran for like 100 yards or so. Sure. He, right, he's going to be, he ran plan, for 140 From a fantasy yards. standpoint, the game plan is 
run him. Design quarterback runs more than I've seen from any quarterback tape I've watched in a long time this year. They really, because you'll get scrambles from these running quarterbacks, which is fine. That's, you know, what they decide to do based on the progression of a play, a pass play, a design pass play. But these were design runs for the quarterback. The field's got a lot of. And then, of course, I want to bring up 448 quarter three, the best play of the game from Justin Fields, the touchdown to DJ Moore. And you got to give him credit for that. He stepped up through the pocket used his eyes. This was the key thing. He used his eyes immediately when he catches the snap, his eyes and his helmet. Watch this. This is what you want to do if you want to watch the film. Watch where the helmet stripe goes for these quarterbacks. The helmet stripe goes left, and what that did was hold the safety for long enough, just long enough, that when he did step up in the pocket and flip his helmet back right, he was able to hit DJ Moore on kind of like a skinny post type of pattern, where Moore doesn't have the safety now over the top to kind of break up the pass, hit the receiver, or get involved. So there were good moments from Justin Fields for sure. I don't feel like I saw anything to mine, you know, too game changing from him. I think the game plan was very specific to what I believe his limitations are as a processor, as a passer. And that's not even as a passer, more of just a processor from a mental standpoint as a quarterback. I still want to see more from Justin Fields personally. Yeah. I'm curious if you think there's any specific matchup based reason why he ran so much. Justin Fields, three of his four games with 104 or more rushing yards in his career have come against Detroit. Yeah. He had 130. Yeah. I just think it's the style of defense that they play against, uh, or that Detroit Lions play, especially against the Bears. It's very man-heavy, man-coverage heavy, which is going to lead to more openings for, obviously, for a quarterback to run. It's also the way they play pre-snap I think with the way they align their defense it leads that's why we I think we saw some because those will that that what I just said will probably be more um of a reaction to like scrambles from the quarterback like plays that were designed as passes but you can then decide to run but there were also design runs and I think that has to do with how Detroit line pre aligned pre-snap so I think it's a good matchup for him from a rushing standpoint based on you know how aggressive and, and if you're looking for the games where Justin Fields you want to see a lot of rushing look for the games against the teams that play more man heavy defense for yes. what it's worth, they they only use man twenty five percent of the time okay. this week. So you got like, me there. I didn't even know that. <laughs> in the in the past, I just looked at it. In the past, they have yeah. been one of those. You know that is according to true. This is sometimes true I think. Yeah, that that's good stuff. I just think sometimes some of the concepts that are considered zone to me look like man on film, but I, it's, it's like too many, it, but it's it's hard. And I think in general, though, that's a good good stat by because a good sign that he was able to do it against zone. The what other thing I would bring up from this so game. Put up a Jason Alexander this look, I, do you feel like you're looking into the future right now? Now that was me. <laughs> now that was mean, Adam. That was just straight up mean. He goes, you think I'm looking into the future? He puts up a picture of a bald-headed George Costanza, stumpy as ever. And I really apologize, Jason Alexander. Look, this is this is this. I didn't want this to turn into me bashing Jason. How Jason Alexander looks. I love Jason Alexander as a human being. He's part of some of the funniest moments of my life. I've seen every episode of Seinfeld multiple times, but no one wants to be compared to Jason Alexander. Stop. Slash Stop. Now you're being mean. Now you're being mean. And I told you, he's a very nice looking guy. All right. Um, that's uh, that's our justice. We got to get going here, guys. We still have our four big topics to get to. We'll take a break. Uh, the chat thinks that Jacob looks like Jason Siegel. I could definitely see that. And uh, we will be right. It's like the whole we got the whole Judd Apatow crew. Go ahead. All right, we'll be right back. We'll be right back on fantasy football today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, let's talk about our four big topics here. The first one is from Alex. How to handle the Ravens passing game without Mark Andrews? Anybody? I, I'm pretty into Odell Beckham. I'm not going to lie. 35% rostered, 35%. In the last five weeks, he has, um, let me see. I got their last five games. He has 27 targets, same as Mark Andrews. And he's got four end zone targets, same as Mark Andrews. Zay Flowers has one end zone target in that stretch. Beckham looks pretty damn good out there, I think. He's making yeah, some plays. I think so. I think he's yeah. a big waiver wire priority, but uh, how do you, what do you guys think about the Ravens passing game without Andrews? I think you nailed this one, Adam. I think Bodo Beckham is the first one I want to put up there. And he's looked really good on tape these last few weeks. And he's maybe getting healthier. That could be part of it. I don't know. Came off a major injury. Got injuries in the middle of the year. But he wins the way he won. You know, he wins on the vertical plane. Ball hasn't gotten there. He wins on the intermediate. Uh, immediate with the slants that he can just separate from defensive backs after slants like we've seen this season. So I am excited about Odell Beckham Jr. for sure. I would also put Isaiah Likely in there, and I'd love to hear if Jacob has any stats on what Likely did last year without Mark Andrews, which I think no Jacob, knowing Jacob, he might just have those loaded up or just you know has those in his research as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for those two, I would say, OBJ and Isaiah Likely. So I'll start by saying that this year, without Andrews on the field, Odell Beckham has a 26% target per run rate, highest on the team, and 2.99 yards per run. Obviously, it's a small sample size, 67 routes, and a lot of that came last week. Um, but he's been super efficient on a per-route basis. He hasn't played as much lately. Is he dealing with something? I feel like he was a little bit banged up like two or three weeks ago, right? Who, Beckham? Yeah. 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 He was. Um, he's seemingly healthier now, it seems like. So if just looking at like route participation and playing time, Rashad Bateman is actually the guy who's been trending upward uh, 75% route participation each of the past two games. He's not been productive at all. He's averaging one yard per route run on the year, which is abysmal. Um, so I, make what you will of that. But yeah, Beckham, Beckham, I'm pulling up his, yeah, he had a 36% snap rate this week, 55% route participation. So they're getting him out there for, the passing plays, um, damn it, no, that's when Mark Andrews is off the field. 49% route participation this week, so still not great. Um, at the top, he's been at around 65 67% this year. Um, and he, in week one, he was out there for 97% of the routes. So if we see him get back to that type of a role, I think Odell is the guy. He's averaging almost two yards per route run on the year, um, which is like actually pretty fantasy relevant. Isaiah likely... 
ran a lot of empty routes last week, and that's what we saw in week one without Mark Andrews as well. Last year, when Andrews was off the field, likely was really good. Um, Isaiah likely without Mark Andrews last year, 92 routes run, 26% target per route run rate, which is higher than Beckham's that I cited earlier, 2.2 yards per route run. That's really, really good. That's like with a full roll, a top 12 fantasy tight end. Um, but yeah, he has just been invisible this year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they have different I'm, players now. I mean, they had nobody last year. Yeah. yeah. You know, they have, they have, um, they, right. Right, they didn't have Marquise Brown last year. Right, they had they had nothing when Andrews got hurt, um, and they also didn't have Lamar Jackson for some of that. Yep, as I recall. But like, I guess it's easy to say we should pick up Beckham. Should we? Do you think he's better than Zay Flowers going forward? No, no. no. Flowers per route that is almost identical. He's not been nearly as efficient, but his target per route net is almost identical to Beckham's without Andrews on the field. We saw in Week One they really ran the offense through Flowers. Um, it would have surprised me if he's like a top. 24 receiver the rest of the way i hope so i wonder what it means for for jackson you know i mean i know he came through last week but uh he's definitely struggled without andrews in the past and for sure. andrews, the biggest role that people are that someone's gonna have to fill now is red zone green zone end zone because that is where mark andrews really made his mark uh he just had so many more red zone targets than everybody on the field on the team so we'll see who steps up there. Based on the data, it, it, Beckham would be the guy. The red zone targets are 14 for Andrews, 10 for Flowers, and 8 for Beckham, but sort of trending toward Beckham. The end zone targets, Beckham actually leads the team with seven end zone targets. Mark Andrews has six. Say Flowers has one. So mm-hmm. we'll see what, ha- what changes there. All right, let's can go I to our a, next one. Can Sorry. I do a quick, uh, it'll be very quick, a quick Dan Schneier complaint zone? Sure. All right, well... <laughs> On Wednesday of last week, I woke up to an offer in my most important league, my home league that's gone 17 years, auction, all the good stuff, super flex, a desperate own manager, desperate running back situation, also buying high, offered me Mark Andrews for Kareem Hunt and Trey McBride. I accepted the trade. I was excited about mm. the trade. I envisioned weeks, 14, 15, 16, 17 in the playoffs. Mark Andrews, two touchdown game. Mark Andrews, <laughs> touchdown game. I said to myself, wow, I gave up Kareem Hunt, who's losing his role pretty much and with a really bad quarterback now, and Trey McBride selling at an absolute high, and I got Mark Andrews. It's amazing. And then I watched Mark Andrews get injured for the season in his first game on my team. Because that's a Dan Schneier complaint zone. Because that wasn't that really quick. about that trade. I thought it was an amazing trade by me. It wasn't that quick. Bad. And now you're recapping it. You said you were going to be quick. <laughs> and you know what? Somebody said that I look like one of the puppets from this TV show Thunderbirds from the 1960s. Oh my god! <laughs> which and one? I do I think oh I look like that freak in the front? Yeah. You look like which one in the front? The, the big the... freak right in the front. <laughs> yeah. I think you look more like the guy to the. To, to the left, they second, both they look yeah. very similar. Well, bushier eyebrows. You have the you have that bushy eyebrow thing going. I do. Some people like that, but most people don't. <laughs> All right, next up <laughs> from <laughs> this one's from Mikey. Just wants to know how we feel about Tony Pollard going forward. Pollard, twelve carries, sixty-one yards, and a touchdown. Four catches for nineteen yards. The exciting, I guess, if you want to call it, advanced metric is that he's had the two highest avoid rates of the season in his last two games. Uh, by far, 
50% in week 11, 26.7% in week 10. Those are his only two weeks with an avoid rate above 13%. So maybe he's getting a little bit of his mojo back. Maybe. I don't know. I watched his carries, and I still do not see an explosive player. And, um, you know, I don't know if we mentioned this a lot, but he's averaging uh, 4.1, 4.0 yards per carry this year. Before this season, he was averaging 5.1. But Tony Pollard is also averaging just 6.3 yards per catch this year. And before yeah. this season, he was averaging 8.3 so I just think that everything tells me he's still not that explosive player. But how much do you guys trust him going forward? Washington, Seattle, Philadelphia up next. Yeah, I mean, I watched the tape on Pollard, one of the three people I got a chance to watch tape on. And I think, Adam, we can overcomplicate things. I have examples, but in the, in the you know, honor of keeping this a little shorter, you nailed it. There's lack of burst, lack of elusiveness. It doesn't look like I'm watching the same player. It's hard for me to be excited about him moving forward when I consider, one, He's not the same player from an elusiveness and burst standpoint. And two, he doesn't really have the role people thought he was going to have here. He's not the only back in this offense. And he may not even be the most explosive back at this point in this offense, at least this year, whatever's going on with their health, his health and the health of the entire offense. So it's hard for me to get excited about him moving forward. I feel like he's more of a volume dependent border RB1, RB2, if you get lucky with touchdowns or not. But don't expect those long. Last year, we got long touchdowns out of Tony Pollard. That's yep. the thing. We got nice, long touchdowns. We're not getting those this year. Yeah, He had two carries of more than 20 yards in this game against Carolina, arguably the worst run defense in football. And one was blocked up so well. Like, and, he did nothing yeah. on the first. But those are two of five for the year. And his longest yeah. run, I think, is 31 yards. So, uh, Jacob, how about you? Um, I'll tell you what. Would you rather have uh, Pollard or James Conner? We have our own concerns about. Ooh. Yeah. I think the, the point you brought up on James kind of losing his passing down work yeah. is really important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. From be more deplorable. We definitely need definitely need a confidence o meter right now. So I pick three guys that people might be losing confidence in. And Jacob, mm -hmm. I'll give you can put them on the meter. Zero to ten. How much confidence do you have in them? Zero is none. Ten is full confidence. Josh Jacobs. I'm going with uh, seven. I saw a poll on Twitter, I think, where people were comparing, like, would you rather have Josh Jacobs or Tony Pollard? And it was pretty much even, and that shocked me. Um, I feel like the role is intact for Jacobs. It's really good. They're going to run the offense through him. That's what we've seen with Antonio Pierce as coach. Um, Aiden McConnell is dump off king to him as well. But, but that that hasn't been the case. That's Lately, the case. he's been pushing him downfield more, yeah. The last three <laughs> weeks, what does he have? Three targets in his last three weeks? Um and that, you know, in the week four, O'Connell threw to him. He had eight catches. But since then, I think he has one catch uh, with Aiden O'Connell. So that's that's the concern here is, like, they beat the Giants and the Jets. He ran 26, 27 times. Then how are they going to do how are they gonna, How's he going to be in a game where they trail? Is he going to get his passing roll back? No. And he had 14 carries and one catch. So they've got the Chiefs twice. They've got Minnesota, which is a great run defense. They have the Chargers, who actually don't have a bad run defense, but they but they struggle in the passing game against running backs. So that's the concern here with uh, with Jacobs is if there's a bad game script and he's and he's still not getting any targets. Ooh, if you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> you know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, really weird coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I I think the targets are kind of random week to week. Um, I, I wouldn't read too much into what we've seen these last few games. All right, I hope yeah. you're right. All right, Dan. We're I get a or I'm just trying to confidence meter. Let's go to next Debo Samuel. I'm still at a six and a half. Okay. 6.6, 6.6. Would you like to tell us a story about how you traded for Debo Samuel just before his bad game? 
No, but that I'm still pissed about that. <laughs> that, that sucks, dude. I, I, I hear that really sucks. It was a good trade it was on your part. A good trade. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Debo's interesting. Like, just here. Here are the targets in. Um, like, there have been five games this year where everyone's been healthy for the 49ers. But there was one game where Debo got zero targets and he came into the game injured. So I did Debo Samuel the liberty of of eliminating that game. So here's your step. Yeah, totally. So in the other four games where there are no excuses for Debo Samuel and everyone's healthy, Brandon Ayuk has 24 targets, George Kittle has 23, Christian McCaffrey has 23, and Debo Samuel has 18. Mm. The problem is seven of those 18 came in week one. Since then, it's three, four, and four. He definitely has been the fourth option for uh, for Purdy. Is that going to continue? I don't know. So, Dan, you said you're like a six and a half confidence in Debo. Six point six to be exact. Do you happen to do you happen to have Debo's matchups from that four game split, Adam? Like who he's playing against? Yes, weeks one, five, ten, and eleven. So that would be Pittsburgh in week one. Two really man heavy coverage schemes, and then two zone heavy coverage schemes. Um, the last two would be concerning to me. He's not seeing a lot of targets against Jacksonville and Tampa Bay, who play a lot of zone. I mean, Purdy's throwing 26 times a game right now, and he's just connecting on these big plays to Kittle and and Ayuk. But still, yep. if, if you get even 30 pass attempts from Purdy, that's a lot. So it's I, I think the bigger question is, uh, do we have confidence that it's going to continue with this way where it's going to be Ayuk and Kittle and Debo third fiddle if to make a nice rhyme there or is it going to be more random going forward i think he's clearly behind Ayuk. um i think it'll probably be pretty random between the other two i would agree with that Ayuk bad and then random between the other two confidence o meter for garrett wilson four three or four yeah yeah 3.5 3.753 well, I, he like, just, I like no, the decimals are a good play. You need to use decimals in life. I hate when people go, oh, it's a three of 10. No, go 3.3, go 3.8. <laughs> Give us a real specific read on the situation. You know what I mean? Uh, so he just had two, two catches for nine yards on eight targets. But the four games before that, Garrett Wilson had 12 to 14 targets, seven to nine catches, and 80 to 100 yards in all four games. So I don't want to overreact too much from one terrible game. And they are changing their quarterback, and I don't think that's going to be good for him, though. That was a good stat, Adam. But you know what you need to get as part of your uh, sound machine that you have. You need to get for when I have those types of those types of stupid comments. You need to get the uh, Billy Madison. At no point in your rambling <laughs> that that <laughs> and that, I'm sure that's not just for me. I'm sure we can look throughout FFD and everyone the entire this, everyone on this podcast is now dumber. And we might see some moments where we can bring that one in. But go ahead. Yeah. All right. So do you, so you think upgrade or downgrade with Tim Boyle? Same downgrade, yeah. I don't know. It's about hard to it's hard to say downgrade, but not upgrade. Yeah, it's definitely not an upgrade. I feel like this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to Zach Wilson. Like maybe because everyone sees how much worse it could be, type of thing. Yeah, and it's not all his fault. I mean, the line stinks. They desperately need a number two receiver and another terrible game running from Brees Hall. So they have one well, receiver, no running game, and a bad to offensive. Be fair line. though, like yes, I agree with all that. To be fair, they built this. They 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 made this bed now sleeping it. They signed Alan Lazard to the dumbest contract I've ever seen. I said at the time it makes no sense. He has no skills that make any sense. He couldn't separate. Remember when I told you this, Adam, and you felt fought back on me for this? Is that why you're smiling? 
No, I no, I I don't remember this at all. But I, I'm not. <laughs> had I'm to- saying the Jets deserve this, but I'm saying Zach Wilson's in a pretty bad situation too. Okay. That's well, maybe you shouldn't assign your wide receiver who is a UDFA, has no defining traits whatsoever, can't create separation, can't catch 50-50 balls, doesn't have speed, but played with Aaron Rodgers for a few years. Let's hear from the audience. Maybe maybe should have let Elijah Moore play. <laughs> Dan sits on a phone book when he drives somebody's head in the comments. That's incredible. <laughs> That's freaking incredible. I'm not that short. I'm five foot eight. Dan's not old enough to know what a phone book is. All right. Uh, this is from Kel. Kel says, I want to talk handcuffs, philosophy on handcuffs during the postseason weeks and which ones are worth rostering and which ones would be wastes of roster spots. Sure. Yeah. Do you still have your stash ranks, Jacob? No, I didn't come prepped with stash ranks. I'm, I'm scrambling right now. I think I can come up with some. Have you guys seen the rest of season schedule for Zach Charbonnet? No. Yeah, it's brutal. Or bad. It's brutal. It is not good. No. But <laughs> yeah, we've got San Francisco at Dallas, at San Francisco, Philadelphia, at Tennessee. That's insane in terms of run defenses. That's right. like the best. But but like I said to, to twice last night, I said on FFT and then on FFT and five. The difference between him and Ken Walker, there are many differences, but a major one is that Charbonnet is the passing downs guy no matter mm. what. So yeah. he could still catch like five passes. He got a lot yeah. of volume in this game. You know, it's I said no, I I'd rather have I'd rather have Charbonnet without Walker than Walker with Charbonnet. Ooh, Walker with Charbonnet. I think it's close because Walker still has the big play potential, which we saw a couple weeks ago. I think he does. I think Charbonnet does too. Not to the same degree. Like few people can really take it to the house. Like, yeah, I don't think that's his game, Charbonnet. And I loved his tape, but that that was never really his game. No, it is bad. Um, but all right. So who who are we stashing right now? I think. Uh, you know, I had a league where I had, I know Wandale Robinson had like a, no, he didn't really have that good of a game, but I, I had him on a roster. I was like, forget this. Mm. I dropped him for Elijah Mitchell. These are the types of moves you should be making. We're pretty right. much done with buy. We have six teams on a buy next week or week 13. So we're not done with buys, but if you feel like you're good, there's dead space on your roster. Let's stash some handcuffs. So I'll, obviously Elijah Mitchell, Charbonnet, AJ Dillon, Dowdle for sure. Yep. Josh Kelly, uh, look, he was really bad, but at least he was an option for you, so you could stash him. Uh, I'm gonna Tajay Spears. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tajay Spears, for sure. That's a good call. Uh, let's see if there's any others that we're missing here. Jaleel uh, McLaughlin, they got yes. more involved this week than they had Yeah, the last couple weeks. Maybe. He didn't play uh, much, McLaughlin, but it doesn't matter. This is, this is just a handcuff situation. I think if Javante goes yeah. out... I don't think P. Ryan's role increases all that much. I think McLaughlin mm-hmm. really benefits from that. Uh, it's hard to say with the Dolphins at this point. I yeah. think Jeff Wilson is someone you probably want to get, but but Savan Ahmed is obviously ahead of Jeff Wilson. So, right. um, but Ahmed also got hurt. Um, Latavius Murray? Through it. That's what I was saying. There aren't too many more looking through it. I think Latavius mm-hmm. is okay, I guess, as a pick there. I would be okay with calling him a stash. How about or- Amari Di Mercado? No, not for me. Oh, I got one. Um, uh, oh, Jacksonville, Dearness Johnson. Dearness, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, but I I, like I'm going to actually bring another one out. I'm going to bring out Kenneth Gainwell because I'm not a huge Gainwell fan, but we know the history with DeAndre Swift, and he's taken a lot, a lot of touches this year. So I want to throw him out there. Um, yeah, I like Dearness. Dude, uh, it's it's as bad as it could be for Tank Bigsby, man. Yeah. They're done. It feels like (laughs) Uh, this was definitely not. This was one of my worst calls. I think of the year tank Bigsby, and I've had some good calls, but I have some bad calls too. And this was a bad one. 
This is a disgusting one, but I think Clyde, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire might oh, be a decent no. guy to grab that. <laughs> oh, I really, no, Jacob. I really, just like as somebody who watches the Chiefs, man, they can't quit. I don't know. Like they keep giving – Yeah, and like I really do I'm, think it, I'm it, like, it's – I'm like – I'm not on. 100% certain he's going to be in the NFL next year, Clyde Edwards. Yeah, I'm not kidding on fair. that. I mean, someone will find a role for him on the back end of a roster, but man, he's not an NFL talent. Tyler Algier is someone you could, I mean, he's a 68% roster, but you should stash him if you want, just someone to stash. Chris Rodriguez, I think Washington likes him. Mm -hmm. He played well this week. All right, once we start talking about Chris Rodriguez, I think that means it's time to end the show. (laughs) What's your favorite Costanza moment? What'd you say? What's your favorite Costanza moment? Oh, what's my favorite Costanza moment? So many great ones. Um, If I pick my favorite Costanza moment, God, I'm thinking about all my favorite ones now, and I'm not sure like which one I want to pick. You are such a fake fan. (laughs) Yeah, I can talk about it. So many I can think of. I mean, mean, the jerk jerk store is up there for me. Your doppelganger, and you can't even think of like a. No, I mean, I'm trying to think of the best one. I'm I'm putting them all in my head. Jerk store is up there for me, but nothing beats for me the idea of him looking like angry while he's working at his desk or looking like, like, like he's in a bad mood to pretend <laughs> like you're actually working hard. It's yeah. just so epically good. So I'm going to give it to that one. The whole idea of like when he's at his desk, he looks all like, and then like, Oh wow. Cause is really grinding the midnight oil. <laughs> <laughs> I love something. when he gets the toupee. That's that whole scene really with Jason Alexander. Jerry's like, yeah, had a little chat with George the other day. He goes, you did it. George goes, I did. It's like one of my favorite. It's two simple words, and he delivers it so like condescendingly. I did it's like my favorite. I, I'm yeah. not a huge Seinfeld guy, but that was uh, no. That might be my favorite episode. I'm actually more of a Curb guy than a Seinfeld guy. I've seen Curb oh, yeah. a lot more times than I've seen Seinfeld. My Curb family celebrates nervous. Festivus every year. Do they really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I was gonna yeah, wish. So. I was gonna wish Dan a happy Festivus. <laughs> so I watched that episode every year. <laughs> Jacob, where are you? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, we got family here. We're all getting together, hanging out, doing Black Excellent. Friday, that kind of stuff. Excellent. Dan, how about you? I feel like Dan has a huge Thanksgiving. Got all the cousins, the aunts and uncles come over. It's yeah, like 30 no, you people. usually actually used to do it at my parents' house, but this lately we've been doing it down South Jersey because uh, a few of my family moved down there, so it makes more sense. So I'm going down to my aunt's house. Excellent. All right, guys. But you know what's funny, Adam what? and Jacob? Every year we had been doing, we have basically for decades at this point, do a family fo- two two and touch football game. Wow. But we've had to consider retiring it because there have been somehow, despite it being two hand touch, there have been injuries. Injuries, in- yep. Injuries <laughs> happening in games, including one time where my uncle went too hard for a pass and we were playing and it probably shouldn't have been playing because it was a little slippery out there and like cracked his head open and my aunt was oh just my God. But it was oh fine. Like gosh. it was, it, I say cracked his head open. I mean, just like he had bleeding from his head because he, but it wasn't that bad. It sounds horrible. It wasn't that bad, <laughs> but it was bad enough. And then my aunt was furious with us and everything. And then next year we didn't play. And then the year after we just went right back to the mix and we just started playing again, despite like clear and obvious evidence that this is not a good idea no, and should. should not be done any longer. No, you I'll, should. I'll I'll suggest something for your family, Dan, on the same bleeding head note. Uh, what my family does, which doesn't involve any potential for injury, is we play Halo and we play oh, Grand Theft Auto every nice. Thanksgiving. Yeah, we, do, we get like a group of like eight or ten guys mostly just DJing while the girls go do like 
Black Friday stuff. That's all awesome. right. That's great. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. I hope you all have a, I hope the two of you have an amazing Thanksgiving. Dan, I'll speak to you on Friday with the mailbag. Jacob, next Monday with Beyond the Box Score. And Jacob, I'm not going to make you do it now, a minute, an hour and five minutes in, but next week you owe us your Dan impression. Yeah, serious. I've got it. I've got it. It's good. It's it's actually, oh, I was yeah. going to do a film review of Dan as, as <laughs> oh. Dan. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. But yeah, we didn't have that. All right. All right. See you, everybody. Have a great day. And I'm sure you'll be listening to us between now and then. But if not, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Festivus. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Time to set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.